Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the conversation. This episode is actually a follow-up to the previous episode, The Quest of the Mind, The Quest for Intuition. And that episode was all about questions. The power of questions, how to ask questions, how to frame a question to yield the most accurate or the most beneficial information. Now, in that episode, I did talk about the, the ineffectiveness of the question, why? And one thing that I didn't say is that in the 1970s, there was a college professor, I think it was Stanford, that uh, gave an assignment. He said, your entire grade hinges on you answering this question. And he, at the beginning, he wrote the question, and it was one word on the blackboard. Yes, they used blackboards back then. The question was, why? And the students were aghast. What do you mean, why? Why what? What do you mean, Why? How, do you, how are we supposed to answer this? He said, answer this question. Your answer will determine your grade for the class. And at the end of the semester, there was a variety of responses from the different students. Some people wrote as many as 10,000 words, pages and pages and pages of the answer to why. Other people wrote a single page. Others wrote a couple paragraphs. Maybe in some instances, just a couple sentences, you know, a small paragraph. The person that received the A for the class wrote a single word response, a single word answer. So what is the single word answer to why? Well, it's because. The only way you can answer a why question is with a because, and that reveals a rationale, an excuse, a story, a reasoning, an explanation. And that doesn't have to be accurate. In more, most often, it is not accurate. It's just a point of view. It's just, it could be a lie. It could be completely inaccurate. Yet, how do we pacify that answer? Why? Because. And if you're asking somebody, you know, why did you do this? Why, why me? and they give you a response that doesn't necessarily pacify your rationale or what you think is a good enough reason, you'll say that's not good enough. And that whole scenario of asking the question why reminds me of a client that showed up on my doorstep uh, years ago, almost two decades ago. He had caught his wife cheating, and he asked the proverbial question, why? Why did you cheat? And of course, she's not going to take responsibility for it. She's going to put the blame on him. And she did. She said, you're a terrible lover. You don't pay enough attention to me. You're not, you're not invested in the relationship. She had a whole host of reasons why. But none of them were the real answer to why she cheated. They were merely her rationale. So I told him a better question to ask is what need or want was she attempting to fulfill by cheating? And by this time, the the marriage was already over. They had already gone their separate ways, and he was kind of picking up the pieces. 
but he still had to interact with her. So at one point he did ask her, what need or want were you attempting to fulfill by cheating, by having this affair? I don't think he called it cheating. She thought about it for a minute and said, I wanted to feel attractive. I wanted to feel wanted. And unfortunately, her answer created even more questions for my client. He came back to me and said, I don't understand it. I was constantly telling her how attractive she was, how beautiful she was. I would buy her gifts. We went on dates. I did pay attention to her. And I replied to him, so her original rationale on why she cheated doesn't make sense because you were doing all these things, yet her need or want still wasn't fulfilled. And I explained when somebody doesn't value or validate for themselves that they're sexy, that they're, that they're desirable, when they don't know that in their heart, they will seek that external validation again and again. And frankly, you were low-hanging fruit. You, she already had you. And so in some respects, your responses didn't really count because she didn't value it for herself. It didn't validate her own feelings. You see, when someone does not believe it in their heart, it doesn't matter what they hear from the external world, they don't truly believe it. So they have to prove it to themselves again and again, seeking that external validation. So as a result of my explanation or how I explained things to him, he realized that he wasn't really the, the purpose or his actions weren't really the driving force for her to seek you know, an outside affair, outside validation. And it's been my experience that by and large, that is the driving force. It's usually an insecurity inside the person that is seeking outside validation or outside love and attention, or it's, you know, something isn't settled inside them. So they're seeking it to be validated outside of themselves. So it's never usually the relationship, even though they'll point to the relationship as the cause. That's their reason. That's their rationale. That's their why. So that's one example of how you, uh, the, how you frame a question yields a completely different set of information. Why versus what? We got a completely different response. And it was actually more valuable information than when we asked the question why. So what follows in this episode is uh, about a dozen questions that I'm going to ask you that will set your mind on a quest, set your mind on a journey. In one way, you could think of these as journal prompts, something to stimulate your mind, to stimulate an inner dialogue. And when you, in your process of answering these questions, it expands possibility for your life, it expands your awareness of yourself and your conditions of life. And for in the context of the episode, you can just listen to the questions and a lot, you know, maybe pause them from time to time if there's a particular question that stimulates your thinking. Otherwise, you can download this list of questions after you listen to the podcast and then go back and journal on them, muse on them, contemplate them, and uh, come up with your own answers. So the first question kind of orients your whole life as far as what you could do or really want to do, but you're not really engaging in it. And the, it's framed like this. 
What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? You had an unlimited bank account. You could not fail. Your success was assured and guaranteed. What would you begin? What would you do with your life? The next question is something that I've had my students do inside a workshop. I pair people up, and one person is a dedicated listener, a committed listener. They're not going to respond. They're they're just going to nod and look at the other person with loving eyes. And the person that is speaking, and this is you, or you can do this for somebody else, and it's a profound uh, exercise to do with a partner or a friend. And the question is this, if I were not afraid, I would. And the process is to do this over and over and over again for the next 15 minutes. Now, 15 minutes really isn't a long time. And I have to tell you, in the beginning, you're going to come up with somewhat trivial answers in the beginning. But the more you do this, the deeper you will dig, and the answers become quite profound, quite relevatory as you move through this. And the committed listener occasionally can ask, well, what stops you? What would you need in order to move forward on that? And it's just like an inquiry. The other person isn't commenting, like, that's a wonderful thing, or like, it's just you're listening, you're an open ear, and you're, you, it begs a deeper question when it begs a deeper question. What would you do? What stops you? What would that present for you? What would that make available for you? But to clarify for the, the committed listener, you are not offering advice. You're not offering your perspective. You're just asking a deeper question to expand the conversation. You're coming from a a perspective of complete acceptance, complete nurturing and love. And with that said, the most important thing that you can do is to shut up, not say anything, to allow that pause, that empty space to exist. Because that allows the person that is speaking, if I were not afraid, I would, dot, dot, dot. It allows them to think more profoundly, to dig a little deeper, to reflect more inwardly. And if you want to fill that gap, if you want to say something, then you're doing them a disservice. Be comfortable in that silence. So again, the question you're answering, if I were not afraid, I would, dot, dot, dot. The next question plays into the example that I gave of the client that I worked with, you know, a couple decades ago. And that is, how do you validate yourself? How do you validate your worth? How do you validate that you're lovable? How do you validate your life? Is it externally? You know, what information do you need? What criteria do needs to be satisfied for you to feel validated? Now, the answer to this question will provide you with a lot of information as to why you do the things you do, why you have entered the relationships you have, why you have taken the jobs that you have, why you basically exist in the world. I see our overarching need that we're attempting to fulfill as human beings is answering the question, am I worthwhile? Does my life mean anything? Do I make a difference? And that takes me into the next question. What would have to happen? How would I have to be in order for me to know at the end of my life that I 
made a difference. This next question I stole from Wayne Dyer, and it talks about the critical mile. If your life is a marathon, and at the beginning of the marathon, most people don't give any thought of the end. It's like they're completely immersed in where they're running right now, what's going on, until they reach a point of awareness that their time on the planet will be coming to an end. And he called that the critical mile, the last mile that you're going to run. Would you continue doing life the way you've been doing it? Would you continue to stay in the relationships that you're currently in? Would you hang out with the same people that you've been hanging out with? Would you travel somewhere? Like, if you're going to die in the next six months, like you knew you're going to die, your life was going to just end on the planet in six months, a year, two years, five years from now, you had five years left. Would you stay? Would you keep doing the same things you're doing? Would you stay in the same job? Would you hang around with the same people? What would change in your life if you knew that your time on the planet was limited and you wanted to spend it with the most value possible? What would change? The next few questions have to do with relationships. If the success of your relationships depended 100% on your efforts, what would you need to do differently than you're currently doing? If everything was responsible, how the other person was showing up, you know, the dynamic of love, expressiveness, all that depended upon you, what would have to shift inside you to make a difference? And this question lives in the context or the idea that we create our reality, that nothing can show up in our life without our permission, without our guidance, without our energy or the vibe that we're putting out in the world. So however your partner is showing up, you're responsible, you're response-abled. Again, you're not to blame, you're not to blame, no one's pointing fingers. It's an empowering question. You have the ability to respond differently And if it was determined on your actions, on the way you are being, what would need to shift? I just want to quickly acknowledge that some of you have expressed the fact that you have been and have extracted yourself from a narcissistic relationship or a relationship with a narcissistic person. And I acknowledge that that is a completely different animal. And I promise to dive deeper into that whole dynamic But in the context of responsibility and the narcissistic relationship is that hindsight or wisdom only comes from hindsight. When you're in the middle of it, it's disorienting. It's a shock to the system. So I just want to say that when you're in the middle of it, we always do the best we can with the resources we have in that moment. I think it bears repeating that when you're in a situation, we always do the best we can with the resources we have. Meaning that if we could do better, we would do better. If you put yourself back in time, knowing what you knew then, having the feelings that you had then, the amount of knowledge, the amount of courage, the perspective, the expanded perspective that only hindsight can reveal. Well, if you put yourself back there knowing what you knew then, you would have made the same decisions all over again. And this is why we can never should have could have done anything other than the way we did it. So in that context, when I talk about responsibility, it's just your ability to look back at the circumstances and see where 
in the future, you recognize the red flags, you extract yourself early on. In fact, you probably will never enter that type of relationship ever again because you can see the signs from a mile away. But the important thing is not to make yourself wrong, not to make yourself bad for being in that that situation to begin with because you are operating from the best of intentions, the biggest heart. But in the limited context of this podcast episode, if I was just to put a fine point on it, you were in that situation because you had not yet established your boundaries, or you are not even yet aware that you required boundaries from this type of individual. But the one distinction that I want to leave you with is to think of yourself as empowered, not a victim. And from an empowered point of view, knowing that you went through it, the empowering question is, how can I heal? What do I need to do in order to feel or arrive at a sense of wholeness and completeness? How can I put the past in the past? How can I look at that situation as a learning experience rather than a defining experience? What wisdom can I glean about myself and other people that will carry me forward to a brighter and a more enlightened future? Are you beginning to get the idea that any of these questions could actually be an entire podcast episode? Now, in alignment with the previous question, the next one is, how is it for people, your loved ones, friends, family, strangers, to be with you? How is it to be with you, to have the experience of you? You see, many people are all too quick to point out what the other person's bringing to the table. But uh, the question is, how is it for other people to be with you? Say you have a significant other. How is it for them to be with you? What is your mood in the morning? What's your dynamic? What's how, what do you bring? Like when you step in the room, what shows up? The next follow-up question to that, are you fun to be around? Do you present a particular vibe? Are you in touch with a pulse for life? Do you present a, a particular verb or excitement? If that's what you want, what would have to shift in order for you to be magnetic in the relationship? Or if you're not in a relationship, to draw the relationship that you want, how would you have to be in order to be a vibratory match for the ideal relationship? And that goes to if you're already in a relationship because it's all dependent upon, again, you're 100% responsible. So what vibe would have to shift? How would you have to show up in order to allow the relationship of your dreams to flourish inside the context of what you already have? Next is a question that I typically ask clients when they're talking about ending a relationship. And I ask it like this. If you knew that you could tell the other person that, you're not invested anymore. They respond, okay, I understand. And you can amicably part ways. No one has their feelings hurt. Would you part ways? Would you move in another direction? Would you seek another partner? Would you disengage in this relationship if you knew that no one would get hurt? And then the follow-up question to that, if it took place, if you ended this relationship and everyone was okay with it, what feeling would you be left with? What would open up for you? Then I guess a follow-up question to that is, would you rather experience the sting of the truth than the burden, the lifelong burden of a lie? 
Another question around relationships, and a lot of times people want a relationship, but they haven't necessarily discovered or identified the criteria that they want to have satisfied inside that relationship. So ask yourself, what are the top five wants and needs that you expect a relationship to fulfill for you? And this is a powerful question to ask your partner, what are the top five wants and needs that they want fulfilled or that are required to be fulfilled inside their version of a relationship? Ideally, they should somewhat match, meaning that you're both on the same page. You're both working for the same things. You both want the same things out of the relationship. Now, problems usually arise when one person wants one thing and another person, it isn't even on their radar. It's not even important to them. But also in answering this question, the top five wants and needs that you expect to be fulfilled, the follow-up question of that, is it within my control? Do I have a say? Is it something that I can do? Is Is it governed by how I'm being Or am I placing responsibility completely on the other person to show up and deliver this? If you're putting it completely in the other person's hands, chances are you're left unfulfilled. Now, this also becomes a point of discussion, too, on, you know, why do you value that? Could you elevate a particular need or want uh, inside the relationship so it matches us? So we're more of a match, you know, that we're both working for the same thing. And sometimes there's an impasse. Sometimes it's not even important to the other person. And if they're not willing to like meet you halfway, it's a sign that maybe this isn't the relationship that you want to be in. Well, with that said, here's a counter question to look at things from a different perspective. What five to 10 things do you love and appreciate about your current relationship? So there's many more questions that we could ask around relationships, but this, uh, I want to turn the mirror on yourself. So what is one belief that if you could change it would change everything for you? One belief about yourself. And then a follow-up question to that is, what if that belief is a lie? What if it's not true? What if it's just something you adopted along the way in answering a why question? Why me? Why did this happen to me? Why don't they like me? And in answering that question, maybe you got it wrong. So considering that you you did get it wrong or could have got it wrong, what would an alternative belief be there that you might not be seeing? What would make this, this old belief completely disappear? All right, here's another question to, for that inner reflection. What are five things that I should be doing? in my life that I'm not currently doing? What habits, what behaviors should I have in place that would make a difference? Now, once you answer these five things, I want you to challenge them and ask these questions. You should according to who? You see, a lot of times we have these these imposed ideas on us that we've adopted along the way, and we've lost reference to Who said it? Who's the authority that dictated this is important? Is it just something you read somewhere? Is it some particular mindset in the world? Who said that that should is important enough to run your life by or that you should have that behavior in place? Who said? And in linguistics, this is a lost referential index. We've lost the reference of where, you know, what expert, what criteria are we judging this by? 
they say that this is important, or everyone's talking about how important this is to do. Everyone? Who's they? Like, by what authority? Is it someone that you really want to have guide your life by? And then a follow-up question is, if you were to cross this should or could off your list, what would be the impact? Like if you just cross it off and it's no longer important, you're no longer going to make yourself bad over it, what would be the long-term impact on your life? Would it be negative or would it actually make you happier not to even worry about it? For instance, some people say, I need to or I should lose 10 to 15 pounds. According to who? And then, what if I was just to cross that off the list? What if it was no longer a concern of mine? What if I would be and could be happy just being the weight that I am, being 10 to 15 pounds heavier than my supposed ideal weight? What's the long-term impact? Could I live with it? Could I be happier in the long run if I just accepted it? Well, in analysis, you determine that being 10 to 15 pounds lighter would satisfy your own wants and needs then you can stop saying, I should drop this, and just say, I want to weigh 10 to 15 pounds lighter, and I'm committed to making that happen because, and this is where the power of your why comes in, then you can list a number of reasons on why it would be beneficial for you to arrive at your ideal weight. And you you drop the whole idea that somebody else is imposing this on you. You're choosing it. It comes from you. You are responsible. There's a lot more power in that than saying, I should do this. Because what's not present, the information that you're not, uh, you haven't brought into consciousness is the criteria and the value for your life in making it happen. So when you turn it into a choice that you make for yourself, you can get connected to your why. You can get connected to the positive impact in achieving this goal would be for you. So let's take a spiritual perspective Something, some questions to open up, expand your perception of your spiritual self. How about if you got to your bones that the universe has your back, that you have access to 10,000 angels that are working on your behalf, and all you have to do is ask, how would that make a difference for your life? Meaning that in the end, you could not fail, that you are completely supported by God, Goddess, all it is. How about this? What if God does not have a mission for you, does not have a plan for you? In fact, God's plan for you is for you to live your life the way you want, for you to choose the life that you want. There's nothing you have to do. So if you were to make a difference and live your life from a spiritual perspective, how might you be different? How might you be different in the world? How would you show up? When you step into the room, what shows up? To me, that's the definition of beingness. What is the energy? What is the vibe? What is, how, what is the expression? Are you living your spiritual potential? Here's another question. What is your concept of God? If you were to explain God to someone else, how might you do it? And then understand that whatever concept you have of God, God is all that is, is too small. Because whatever concept that can exist inside your head just isn't large enough to, I guess, encapsulate, to encase the entire thrust of God, God is all it is. So with that said, 
this little exercise in attempting to convey your concept of God, trying to put it into words, actually gives you a greater access to your experience of the divine. It points out to yourself, what are your limitations? What are, what are you not thinking about? Here's another perspective. If the answer to all that you want in your life is in your heart, you already know. If you are to live your life in alignment with what you value most, with what is inside you, would you continue doing what you're currently doing? What would you shift in your life? Where would you live? What would you do? Would you be in the same life that you're currently in? If you were to live in alignment with your spiritual expression. Okay, here's the same question, but on a different tangent. What would change in your life if you were to live in alignment with the divinity and magic that lies within you, that you got to your bones, that you are a spiritual being immersed in the human experience, and that if you were to live your life from a spiritual dimension, would your life shift? Would it change? Or would it continue the way it currently is? And then if it would change, what might change? So that you're more in alignment with the magic and divinity that you are. Would you believe it if I told you that I have no idea how many questions I've thrown out, that I have not stuck to the list that I wrote out, and that I have questions that I didn't write on the list that I I talked about, and then questions that I did write on the list that I did not talk about? There are so many more questions, but you kind of get the idea of questions that can expand possibility, that take you somewhere that are open-ended and require you to think about your life think about and gather more information. They actually cause you to think about your life. Now, Henry Ford said that thinking is the hardest thing for a person to do. That's why so few people engage in it. But I'm hoping that you get the value of asking questions. When you don't know, rather than assume, which we all know makes an ass of you and me, that when something isn't quite answered in another person, or yourself, it begs a deeper question. And if you're quick to ask the question, why? Stop it. Don't do it. (laughs) Ask, what does this mean about me? What if it doesn't mean anything about me? If you have an emotional response, you can ask, what am I making this mean about me? Another line of questioning in regards to an emotional response is, How am I creating this feeling? What am I picturing? What am I saying to myself to arrive at this feeling, to arrive at this conclusion? And since I can choose my thoughts, am I choosing the most appropriate thought in this situation? Is there a more magnificent, more amazing position, perspective I could take than the one I'm currently taking? All right. So somewhere in the middle of this or near the beginning of this, I said that I was going to give you a list of all these questions. So you wouldn't have to go back and listen to this again and again. But uh, that didn't happen the way I thought it would. But I will still make the list available. I just need to figure out how. So in order to get your list, depending on when you listen to this, or I'll tell you it doesn't matter when you listen to this, if you want a copy of the list of questions, go to yesdaniel.com backslash quest. Yesdaniel.com backslash quest. Q-U-E-S-T. And as always, the link is in the show notes. But follow that link and you will have access to the questions. Well, 
that's it for this episode. This is Daniel Dano V urging you, tell you what, what would your life be like if you were to live your life from inner signals, totally directed from your intuitive guidance? And what would it look like if you were to live your life as an epic adventure? Powerful questions to ponder, are they not? Thank you.